Okay, good morning. Today's class is in the Lunishman Yachmel the Admegadalia and the success of the Shev Abanabaka, the Old Buddha, the Shev, Shev, and the Shev, Emil, the Shev, Reina Makavato Vasha, and Gadiel, the Shev. Vizrat Hashem, December 16th, is the event in Brickle. We're going to be handing out um, Garden of Gratitude and Tikkunakali for everybody who comes, Vizrat Hashem. And it's going to be a really, really, really nice event. Very excited about it. I hope everybody's having an amazing Hanukkah. We have the Zot Hanukkah coming soon. And today's class is really, really phenomenal. Um, I'm going to take um, a few concepts today. One is uh, Say Thank You and See Miracles. Another book, In All Your Ways by Rabbi Meir Schechter. And the Kuti Tfilas on from Ramnatan. Ramnatan, and, and this is, it's, it's unbelievable. Ramnatan, really, really, we have to be very grateful for Ramnatan. Because what he did is he really took Rab Nachman's teachings. He was like the Rab Chaim, the Chaim Vital of the Arizal. If it wasn't for Rab Nathan, we, we can't understand. Because Rab Nachman wrote very, very bold. But Rab Nathan really came and he really explained it. And he brought it down to earth. And he brought it to us. And his hand never stopped. Rab Nathan's hand never, he never stopped writing. And you could, I mean, and somehow he hit every single aspect of our lives, etc. He says something very beautiful here. So we know that one of the, the, when, the, when the, Yosef and the brothers, there was a whole issue with the, with the goblet, right? The whole incident that the goblet, they got accused of being uh, theft, and the goblet became the biggest problem. Like the goblet became, oh my God, the goblet itself was the source of, of their worry, of their anxiety, of, oh my God, we, we got caught with the goblet, even though it was planned by Yosef at Sadiq, because the whole thing was planned. But the goblet, they said, this goblet is the source of our anxiety and our problems. And my goblet, the silver goblet, was put in the mouth of the sack of the youngest one, together with the money for provisions. He did exactly as Joseph instructed. Basically, he set them up. So what is this whole concept about the goblet? And this, we can apply the goblet or the cup that they use as sometimes a vehicle in our lives. Sometimes we have that, that you know, that something in our lives that we're focusing on the, on the goblet, or we're not seeing the bigger picture. We're focusing, I can't believe that person didn't invite me to the wedding. Or I can't, that, it could be the invitation, or it could be in our lives, you know, I didn't get into school, or I didn't get in. there's always that goblet, goblet's just a, a picture the goblet as, or the business deal, or the bad breakup, there's always that trigger in our lives that really, really, we see that, that is the, that's causing the problem. And we always say this all the time, the problem is the solution. Like we've said this many, many times. The trauma is the solution for the spiritual awakening. I, had, I, was, I was at a, one of, an event this week, and I, I, I was able to help this particular individual. He, he was lost in life. He came to my rehab. Baruch Hashem, he did amazing. And now he's God willing, he's getting married. So I told the mother, very simple, your, your son would have never gotten to the level that he would have gotten today if it wasn't for the addiction. The addiction made him. It didn't break him. The addiction made him. There was no way he would be able to get to where he is today. Higher than he would have gotten if he wasn't addicted. Do you understand the whole concept? Because of the addiction, that's what made him today. And she was glowing like a... I mean, she was... I'd never seen a, sm- a mother smile so much. And this is the same thing, by the way. And when I saw her... When I saw the mother smile and the mother glow... And I know she went through hell, because I was talking to the mother the whole time. She went through hell with the situation. But after he got it, the mother was glowing. Glowing, glowing, glowing. And I said this is, and it brought me this analogy 
This is exactly what, when God, when we pick up our game, we see the big picture, and we recognize everything's growth and everything's love, heaven's smiling at you too. Just like the mother's smiling because the son finally figured out that, oh my God, this is the greatest thing that happened to me. Same thing, heaven's smiling at you too. It's just we can't get caught on the details. We can't get caught on the goblet. The goblet is the goblet mentality. We're not seeing the big picture. And he says something beautiful, Rabbi Nathan says. That the word goblet represents the word gavia. Gavia contains the letters of Yud Gimel. Yud Gimel represents the 13 attributes of mercy, of God's hidden mercy. And the Ayin Bet, which is God's name, 72, which is the name of David. Uh, and also the word Chesed, I believe, also is 72. So you could see in the name here, in the name, the goblet itself, what well, we thought, oh my God, the goblet, they're going to they're gonna get incarcerated, and they look at the suffering that's causing my father, and all, all the problem, the goblet became the biggest mercy because in the goblet itself was the mercy for them to reunite and for them to finally be together and etc. So you could see sometimes we, we're so focused on the object and the object is just the, the vehicle. This is God's clothing, the, the mercy in the goblet. But we're looking at the goblet the wrong way. You know, like I said many times, how many times does God have to break your heart to save your soul? And you're looking, you're in emotional pain. I can't believe they left me. I can't believe this. You don't see the mercy... And Hashem breaking that relationship with, you, with that person. Because would, it would have not worked out. And you would have been much for the pain. And if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have changed, etc. We, we need to see the mercy. We're not seeing the mercy because we don't think that God loves us. And that's, that's, that itself is a problem. That itself is a problem. And I see this all... You know, I, I, and I went through my whole life. My whole life has been exactly the story. There's been that trigger. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And that became the mercy itself. I remember... You know, my, our industry, our public adjusting industry, maybe seven, eight years ago, there was a decree. All of a sudden it came out. No, all of a sudden you're capped on what you can charge. Basically, overnight, the whole industry changed and you had to basically go through attorneys. You had to basically go through attorneys. You had to, all of a sudden you had to run your claims through attorneys and that became hell itself. And there was so much of a trauma. And because I was so traumatized and I had to go through this whole experience, I said, I'm not. I got to find another business. Got to find something else to do. And that's when I opened up. That's when I got the idea, prayed for the rehab. And that's how the rehab started. It started from a, um, a, a government bill, a decree that basically made one business completely contract. So I, otherwise I would never even think about praying for another business. Do you understand? You get squeezed in life to force you to think about something else. Because you, you would not do yourself. Which ultimately, there was n- nothing but... That, that bill from, the, from legislation, there was nothing but mercy in that bill for me. But I looked at it like, why? What's going on? Why are you punishing me? What's going on? Why? And, and this is the problem that we don't, we, don't, we don't see the light in the storm. We don't see the, the Yeshua in the storm. We don't see that the goblet itself is the problem, is the solution. And that's when you see this, then you draw... The minute you see this as a big picture... And we're going to get into this. Then you see, then you get Rachamim Gedoilim. You get the 13 attributes of mercy, which is Hashem's biggest Rachamim, and you get tremendous mercy. You understand? But, but you have to understand, what is usually the problem? Usually the problem is, is, the, is the cup mentality. 
It's all about the cup. It's all about the goblet. We're talking about the goblet, and God's trying to get you close to your, your brothers and, and trying to reunite you. And God, the bigger picture's happening up, but all you're focusing on is the goblet. All you're focusing on is on the goblet. And, and this goblet idea really, really... The fact that the, the name itself of the goblet has the name of 13 attributes of mercy and the name of seven, the God's name of 72. This is a very, very important. Get your, stop looking at the messenger and focus on the message. I can't tell you that. Look at the message. Look at the message. It's so important how, many, how much we can learn, even from dating. We can learn how codependent we are and how, how we can't handle being alone sometimes. And this is teaching you that you don't have a strong enough relationship with your creator. And when you fix, and, and that's teaching you. All of this is all teaching us. It's not the individual that's not texting you back. It's not the individual that's not texting you back. That's showing you, why are you panicking when somebody's not texting you back in 10, 15 minutes? What's that telling you about you? You're going to be, you fear you're going to be lonely. You fear you're going to be, you understand? It's okay to be alone. It's not okay to be fearful. And, and you can just see these little triggers somehow put people in tremendous amount of despair. And I see it. I, I hear the phone calls. I hear what's going on. It's the, it's the cups. It's the triggers. It's these little triggers that pe- pe- put people in despair. They just they reaffirm their belief system. These triggers reaffirm their belief system. That's why they hurt so much. It's to make it obvious of what you need to fix. COVID exposed America's spirituality. COVID exposed many people's spirituality. Many people thrived from COVID. Many people completely lost everything, mindset, etc., from COVID. They're walking around with, with phobias and fears and, and, tr- and tracking, you know, in, in Florida, we used to track hurricanes. They're tracking variants over there. So you, you just, you could see the, the mentality of where, where, what happened to people. This virus really exposed, exposed people. Exposed, same thing, relationships expose us. They expose us because, like Rabbi Nachman says, first you have to open up the wound to heal it. You have to open up the wound. The wound's going to hurt, but the wound has to be opened. We don't want to open up the wound. Rabbi Nachman says the key to healing in lesson four, second half, is first the wound has to be opened. Just like an infection. You have an infection, they can't cure the wound. They have to open up the infection, remove the blood, purify the blood, let the blood move again, and all of a sudden create healing. Because every infection, is, Rabbi Nachman says, it's, it causes all the blood to be retarded there. It causes stagnation of everything. And it's very simple. You see the same analogy. You know, we, all of a sudden you, are, you, know, you have a back pain. You know? And next thing you know, you find out, you're trying to put the massager in the back. Next thing you know, the problem is coming from your, your legs. Your legs are pulling your back and then pulling your neck. It's all like a vicious cycle. It's all a vicious cycle, but we, this is what, what the, the same concept. So remember this concept about the, 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 the mercy. The mercy itself is the love itself was the goblet. The goblet was the solution to the problem. And what they thought was the problem, the goblet ended up becoming the solution. And just ask yourself in your whole life, where, where, when have I focused too much on the goblet? When have I focused too much on the goblet? I, I can recall many times. Through it could be a legislation bill, or it could be my divorce. My divorce taught me what my divorce taught me at the end was it taught me the greatest gift to be able to already act like something is already in the bag, and that's how Yeshua comes. And that he taught me a Muna. My divorce taught me a Muna when I got so go so bad that it forced me to say, You know what? I'm gonna walk around like this divorce is over, and I'm gonna be the no matter what. It gave me the greatest strategy to now use for anything else. 
And this is why our sages say, through joy you will go out. If you're able to now, faith it till you make it, to get to a point where you're besimcha, no matter if it happens or not, you'll see the salvation. Valuable lessons are taught. But if you focus on the divorce, you don't see, wow, that was a tool to get you out. Or the IRS audit that ended up becoming a cheesecake party. I can't tell you how many of these things, how many of these things become like that. And this is the biggest Yeshua is when you take your eyes off the goblet and say, thank you for the goblet. The goblet itself became the, 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 the source of mercy. There's mercy, it's just hidden from us. This is exactly what the, what the opposite of the Greeks of Hanukkah is. The opposite of Hanukkah and the Greeks is the difference. Is the Greeks, Rav Nachman says, this is why we have to constantly thank Hashem. Because the more you thank Hashem, the more you get to know Him, the more He opens up your mind. Very much. The more I thank Hashem and I get to know Him, the more I open up my, I, He opens up my mind and He lets me see the taste of the world to come. This is why thanking and the world to come is connected. Thanking gives you vision. Complaining sh- cuts the vision and makes you go into despair, which is exactly, and puts you into a very limited mindset. So the Greeks engraved on their banner the whole concept of secular culture, which you spoke about, and, and they wanted to completely remove the spirit of renewal from the Jews, etc. Our sages attribute this in the verse of the Torah describing the beginning of creation. Now the earth was astonishingly empty and darkness was on the face of death. Regarding the kingdom of Greece, meaning the kingdom of Greece symbolizes the darkness. The despair is Greece. When you're thinking of Yavan, you think of Hanukkah, I'm ne- I'm need to, I need to light. I'm lighting my own menorah, I'm lighting my own. I'm recognizing that the problem is the solution. What is meant by the words of the sages of Greece symbolizes darkness? Why do the Greeks represent darkness in any other nation? There's tons of nations that made us suffer. And what antidote did the light which can banish the darkness of Greece? Rabbi Natan explains the light, the darkness of Greece applies to every single Jew on a general level and also on an emotional level. And he says, anytime, anytime that we are in, what, this is why the word, anytime that we are in despair, we are in exile of the Greeks. And this is why he takes, this is why the Greeks consider deep bottomless pit that is very difficult for us to get out, as King David said, save me from tit hayavan. The word tit hayavan, the pit of despair, the word yavan is in the word despair. <laughs> so you could see, any mind, the mindset of despair itself is a mindset of Yavad, is a mindset of this is the way it's going to be, I can't change it, this is the way it's dark, this is my life, this is what God has given me, my whole life is dark. That's the Yavad you're fighting today. So when you're saying the word, this is why you, and, and, and the Hasidus takes the opposite. All Hasidut's teaching us is find a light, strike a match somewhere. Find a way to strike a match somewhere in your life, one way or the other, and that match itself will be the salvation. This is why we're addicted to Hasidut, because it's, it's the only way to be happy. It's the only way. Because otherwise you're just looking at the logical Teva mentality. The whole concept of Rav Nachman is, and Hasidut's teaching us, Find a way to strike a match and repair. Whether it could be Rab Nachman saying, Azamra, I'm singing with you, I'm 0-21, but I'm still in the game. Just, you could take Rab Nachman's message. Just sing, sing with whatever you got. 
Or David Melech. David Melech says, save me from Yavan. The word here is despair, has the same Hebrew word as Greece, Yavan. Because the whole intentions of, of Greece was to keep a person in despair and remove hope completely. You know, I, I speak to couples. My husband has no hope. He's in a sec. Where, where can I, where's the opening? You understand? There's no opening for me. I can only have an opening when there's hope. If you could say, I re- this is why the importance of surrendering. God, when you get to a point of hope and despair, the only solution is, is surrender. It's surrender. And what he's saying here, and he gives us a beautiful example of Yosef Atzadik, of, of uh, David Melech. And it says, and this is why we say, in the in, in Alanisim prayer, and your abundant mercy, you stood by them in the time of distress, you defended their cause, you judged them with grievance, and you avenged them, and afterwards your children entered the Holy of Holies. So what he's saying here, this time, when a person has to start looking inward instead of looking outward, but what he's saying here, eventually the suffering itself becomes a solution. Every suffering contains a salvation, an opportunity for spiritual world, as Ramachman said this many times. We see this in Lesson 141, Lesson 195. But the thing is, the person has to create that spark. And how did David, how did David, David Melech do this? Unbelievable. When, he, when, when his son was running after him, he's saying, please God save me from my son. That itself was the light. Because a son has more mercy on a father. If it was another enemy running after me, we could say, God, how, how in the world can you have somebody running after me, period. But the fact that he said, it's my son running after me. This is what he said. King David had to flee from his own son of Shalom, who rebelled against him. And King David says, Oh, a psalm of David when he fled from Abshalom his son. Oh God, have my adversaries multiplied. How many rise up against me? They're all saying about me. God will never save him. But you, God, have saved me. His outcry expressed immersed fear and pain. But our sages say, because he said, his son, his son, he was saying that his son has pity on his father. He found a good point, saying it's only my son going after me. It could be somebody else. I mean, how in the world do you think this? I mean, my son going after me, that it's good. It could have been somebody else that has no more. Just to show you that itself, even in a desperate place, to be able to say my son is like, whoa, what are you talking about? But to David Amalek, he was on such a high level of Amuna that the son itself, saying that, that was how he created his life. And this is what Rabbi Nathan says. King David was in a tragic situation, being pursued by his own son. There was no hope whatsoever. In such a situation, he had to pray for salvation. But God was constantly beside him because he found a good point. He found a good point in that thing. And this is exactly what Hanukkah is about, is finding that even in his level, saying his son was a big deal. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to switch that momentum. We just need to turn the momentum. And this is what Reb Nachman says in Lesson 78, in the second half, saying, despair itself does not exist. Now you could tell me, what are you talking about? It doesn't exist. Look, the whole world's in despair. You could say it's not true. But the concept, what he's saying here, is the concept of despair does not exist in the world. And if Reb Nachman's telling us this, he, had to, he knew something. Like what? Can God can can God actually create despair in the world? No, that's a man-made thing, and this is where Reb Nachman said this. So, what, how is he saying here? Reb Nachman said it made a very powerful statement. You understand? Reb Nachman made very powerful statements on on purpose to shake things up. 
Because if it doesn't shake you up, <laughs> you don't really recognize it. He says he made a very powerful statement. And these words, and how, where does he get this from? He's saying here, because according to Kabbalah, when the world was created, the event of the breaking of the vessels occurred. To put it in a simple, powerful light of God revealed, and was too much for creation, the light broke. The Midrash says, before God created the world, he made and destroyed many, many worlds. Therefore, the breakage before God eliminated before the creation. Thus, the destruction and repair of the vessel lies in the heart of creation. According to the Arizal, the breaking of the vessels is not a one-time instance. It's a constant phenomenon. A business being broken. You get into this, what are you talking about? A new one's being built. Seasons. I mean, we, even if you just look at seasons, you see trees going off the tree. There's no leaves on the tree. It looks like the thing is completely empty. And next thing you know, it's picking up again. Do you understand? It's called a Simpson. Well, a person should not say he's in despair. He should say, I'm in a contraction of light. See, there's a difference. Like we said, we always have to go through the contraction of light for a new expansion of light. Things have to come to an end to come to a new one. But in that end period, that's exactly where you have to fight the despair. And this is exactly says, even though God repaired the world after the breaking, he left the job unfinished for us. And our job in this world is to bring light into, from the, to bring light into darkness and Rabbi, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson something even more. He says, we have to also bring warmth where there's coldness. And if you look at today, what's the problem? Every relationship, it's cold. What do we need? Needs, needs warmth. The kid, terrible childhood. What does he need? What do you think he's taking? Heroin. He wants a warm hug. Heroin gives you the, it gives you the feeling of a warm hug. Addicts say that heroin feels like you're getting a warm hug. The whole world needs warmth. Period. That's two things you have to do in this world. Find a way to bring light into darkness by thanking Hashem for your problems, by seeing the big picture mentality, and find a way to bring warmth in a cold relationship. In, in any final relationship, warm yourself up. This is why the Ramachman says, when you speak with warmth, when a person who speaks and he's warm, he speaks a lot. But when you're cold, you don't speak. Do you understand? That's why Hashem would rather you scream at Him and tell Him, it's not fair. Why are you putting me through this? At least you're screaming. At least you're in the game. Then not talk at all and be resentful. You'd rather be in a marriage where you get screamed at, at least they, you, there's love, than no, no talking. No talking is the worst. And this is where you see many of my friends, they're dating. There's so many games being played. And it's the same game. No texting for two days. And they can't stand it. Rather, that person says, you know what? I hate you for this. I have this fear. I'm not committing to you right now. Help me work on this. Be honest. Versus, I want to protect myself. Let me not text for two days. Let me ghost for three days. It's the worst thing you could do. Same thing with a beard. You have to bring warm in a cold place. That is your job in this world. Two things. Bring light in darkness. There will be many, much darkness. You have to bring in the light and find a way to bring warmth in a cold place. There's a lot of cold places out there. Warmth could be smiling at somebody. You see somebody, 
smiling. Yosef Atzadik. He had his own problems. He was in jail. And yet, he found a way to say, what, what's wrong with you to the, to the, to the cupbearer or to the winemaker? He brought warmth in a cold place. And that itself is a Yeshua. Because when you're warm, you can talk to God all day long. You can talk. It's the coldness that you have to scream out. You, you're, sometimes your Hezbollah should sound like you're being mugged in the middle of New York. To scream out to be saved from the eight Sahara that's making you cold. We have to bring warmth in a cold place. And I recognize this with my, with my facilities. You tell them what's wrong with them? No. First you need a community, love. And then once they warm up, then they, you can all of a sudden give them a little advice here. But if you right away, you can't reaffirm the person who who's, has no self-esteem telling them, you know what? Your life is a disaster. You're an addict. It's not going to help. Put them in jail. No, you, they need warmth. Same thing with us. And this is why it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Despair doesn't exist because there's always, the model for life is there's always the new a spark. That's, that means when the, when the vessels were shattered, there was always, there's a light there that was created that's still there that has to be recreated. It's not like there's nothing. There's no, not that there's nothing. And this is exactly what he's saying here. Everything. Even after breakage, there remains a spark of light that's, that was not destroyed. It is through these sparks that the worlds are repaired. Likewise, every difficult situation seems shattered to its foundation. It means unbroken points, but God's original intention was that we must endure the hardship, overcome it, and ultimately raise it up to the higher than it was before. This is like a river issuing from a spring. It dries up. It feels like there's nothing else. The river dries up. Weeds and thorns start growing. Snake and scorpions crawl there. Nonetheless, the river is affected. The spring remains. The minute the water starts coming, it flows again. It's the same thing. This is the model for life. Even when things seem dry and empty, without a trace of spirit, do not abandon hope because in that breakage, there's a point, or there's a point that remains whole. In that broken relationship, there's a new, new self-esteem being built that's, that you've never had before. That you recognize you had so much frame from a codependent relationship, you had no idea that you were completely codependent and you didn't recognize you lost yourself. You lost your identity. And because of that pain, you became now the real you. And if you didn't go through that broken relationship, you would never find that. This is the only purpose of, of going through broken relationships and going through the situations. It's not to break you. It's to make you. But we can't, we can't, we, we, you know, when Rabbi Rush came here, he repeated the same line all the time. Everything got this for the best. God loves you, etc. How many times did he repay that? Because that's really the basis the life is happening for you. It's, that's really the basis of what he's talking about. And he says this exactly, the Talmud says that the word good was not written in the first Ten Commandments, which is unbelievable. We think this first Ten Commandments and the second Ten Commandments should have been exactly the same. How do you like that? The second commandments, the second time that the, 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 the word good was there, the first time it was not there. Because it was divine, it was destined in heaven that the first tablets would have been destroyed. So talk about, this is, you're talking about the Ten Commandments being destroyed. What in the world? Even that had to be destroyed. Because everything has to. And this is, I see this all the time in my life, that if the deal goes too smooth, there's a problem. I'm always like excited for the headaches because I know they have to happen. I know the headaches have to happen. When it's too, too good, not to say I don't deserve to have it, but I know anything good has to have the, 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 the breakage because vessels have to be rebuilt 
And this is why everything for me, the second thing works out. Never the first thing. I used to be so upset when the deal fell through. I used to be so upset, all the headaches and all that. And then I recognized, just surrender. Surrender to the process. And then all of a sudden, the deal goes back to, to the Lord again. I can't tell you how many times this has happened. And this is exactly what he's saying here. Now we can come to understand the Rav Nachman's word, that despair is only from the spark that is hidden from the shattered vessels. It's there, but it's hidden from you. But God does not allow any breakage to occur without a point remaining intact. Despair is only an illusion. Many times in our life, we find that the answer to the greatest difficulties is right underneath your noses. As the Midrash says, everybody's presumed to be blind until God opens up their mind. And this is exactly what we spoke about with Hagar, that God opened up her eyes, God opens up your eyes. And in order for you, to God, to open up your eyes, we have, this back to Ma again. Back to Ma. Going back to Ma. What does Ma mean? According to Kabbalah, the holy name which God brings about the rectification is Ma. That is derived from God's letters, Ma. yud Hey vav Hey. When it's numerical value 45. This is why I always talk about Koach Ma. You don't understand it? You're going through a situation? Just surrender. Because surrender, when you surrender, you stop fighting. And you let God in. And this is what he's saying here. Sometimes when a person in deep despair, after having every possible option, he acknowledges an ability to save himself, totally surrenders his life to God. He lifts up his eyes to heaven. And a new light comes from the word ma. He comes to realize that ma, what are what? What am I? What am I thinking? What was I thinking? What is my deliverance? Then the sorrow, the trouble becomes the great illumination. Exactly what we're talking about. The quicker you surrender, the quicker you recognize that the goblet was the greatest gift that happened to you. And then you'll write a book to Rabbi Ruth saying, I said thank you and I saw a miracle. It's the same formula. It is the same formula. You have to follow the formula. There's a formula to this. There's a formula. Do not let your emotions knock you out. When you say the word despair, you're even thinking about despair in your head, you need to go take a break. You need to go take a break. You need to go do something. Go to, just get your head out of that object. Because what happens is it's the only the emotions that are not allowing you to surrender. Let go. Let go of the control. Let go of the meaning. Because remember, when you're in a bad state, you're giving it the wrong meaning. Guaranteed. <laughs> That's a guarantee. When you're not in a good state, you're guaranteed you're giving the wrong meaning to the situation. You're, you're giving it the wrong meaning because you're not in, you're not in, in, in mochem gadlut, you're mochem kadlut. You're in small-mindedness. When you're in small-mindedness, it's a victim mentality, guaranteed. There you're not going to see the Yeshua. You're only going to the Yeshua when you go into surrender and then you start going into a growth mindset when you recognize that that goblet was actually the greatest thing that happened. The thing that you were crying about became the thing you're going to be singing about. And this is not easy. You can see how how much emuna and silence and, and, and trust and, and being, being vulnerable, not getting the answers right away and, and sometimes just waiting. And that's the process. But once you, the, the, the miracle will come to you when you least expect it. But you first have, you have to follow the formula first is obviously is, is definitely surrender. So look at the word, look at the cup. When you see the Parsha this week, and you look at the, the Gavor, you have a whole different meaning. But you, we all have that cup in our lives. We all have it. We all have that cup of that family member 
that obstacle in business, that thing. We all have that. And you ask yourself, this is why you have to ask yourself one question. Did this thing bring me closer to God? Or did this thing bring me away from God? If it brought you away from God, then you know what's going to happen? You will not see the salvation. You will stay in the victim mindset. If the thing is bringing you closer to God, you will see the salvation and you will thank God for the salvation. That is the litmus test. That's the question you need to ask yourself. Did this thing bring me closer to God or did it bring me away from God? If it brought me closer to God, then I will see the mercy in it. If I didn't, then the light of Yeshua is still hidden. And the problem is, most of the people listening to these classes are already in the program. It's the ones not listening are the ones that need to hear it. That's the pro- that's always seems to be the problem. So remember, that's a question you always have to, always, that's the question. Did it, is this bringing me closer to God or is it bringing me away from God? Period. This is one of the questions I ask. People fighting, people this. Is this bringing you closer? Yes, I'm praying more. There's not a problem anymore. That is the solution. Do you understand? I always ask that question. Did this bring you Did this marriage bring you closer to God? Yes. That's not a problem. That's the solution. Always that. That's a, that's a litmus test that you to, to ground everything, and then you start being grateful for that challenge. Then the Yeshua comes. It's a very important question you have to ask yourself. If people only recognize that this was bringing closer to their Creator, which is the whole intention of the of the cup of the issue. Is only for that. And if you get it, you'll see this. If not, can't help somebody who doesn't have doubt. Have a great day. Thank you, Gizal.